Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you left yours at home or in the car, and when you have a Bible, or you already have yours, or you always have it because it's on your phone or something, um, turn on or turn in your Bible, whichever the case may be, uh, over to Ephesians chapter 3. And 1 Samuel chapter 30, Ephesians in the New Testament, 1 Samuel over in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And you, many of you have said you're praying for me and I appreciate your prayers, especially this morning because my mind is running in a million different directions and trying to calm it before the Lord and hear what he has to say. Um, last week as we were in Ephesians chapter 3 we talked about if you remember actually closed the message with this thought that, that the Apostle Paul is sharing that no matter what we go through wherever we find ourselves we are trusting you Lord that you're good and that you're in it and that you're actually doing more than we can see in the moment Interesting is, sometimes as you have these messages and you feel like you're doing what the Lord says, I have no calendar to know when something's coming. I don't know all that God knows. I didn't know what this week would bring. But it brings us back to where Paul was last week. As a matter of fact, we read this verse at the end uh, of that section that we read last week, chapter 3, verse 13. Paul was warning those Ephesian believers to not lose heart. As a matter of fact, if you notice, verse 13 says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. His point in that first part of chapter chapter 3, all the things that he shared, he said, this is what I want for you, this is my desire, this is the the Spirit-inspired, the Holy Spirit-inspired desire that I have for you. I don't want you to lose heart over what I'm suffering or over what you suffer or over suffering in general, but suffering has a way of making us lose heart. That's the reason Scripture says don't lose heart over the suffering. Why? If we didn't have the tendency to do it, the Scripture wouldn't say it. Suffering tends to make us lose heart. Uh, There's an old word, we don't use it much anymore, but it's, it's an English word, but more of an older English word. But the Old English would say we are dispirited. Dispirited. We're no spirit left. Don't lose heart. Don't lose spirit. We've all heard the stories, especially coming out of places like POW camps or concentration camps during the war. Matter of fact, Viktor Frankl and his excellent work that he did having experienced. Um, concentration, Corey Tim Boone, others like that, and then those POWs and their stories. And all of them say the same thing, that the key to survival in these awful places was a mindset that didn't lose hope, that didn't give up, that didn't become dispirited, lose heart. Once you lost heart, it was over pretty quickly after that. So Paul's writing 
and he's saying, I don't want you to lose heart because of suffering. Easier said than done sometimes. And then he's going to show us what we do. Because what I love about the Lord, he doesn't just tell me, don't do this or do this. He then provides power and strength to do it and a method in which to do it. He's a good father. I would not be a good father to my children. Matter of fact, I may have shared this before, but uh, a number of years ago, I had the bright idea that my kids could learn how to do all, take care of all the church lawn. It would be a good way for them to learn how to work hard, learn a skill, make a little money, save the church a lot of money because we wouldn't have to pay a lawn service to do it. And, you know, it was just a win, 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 win. All right, all the way around. My, my children didn't think so, but I did. I thought it was a win all the way around. So we start this, and I give them the pep talk and how great this is going to be, and it's wonderful. And I give them a few instructions and send them out. And much to my surprise and chagrin, it was not done correctly <laughs> or even completely. And so I go out, you know, you missed it. And, and what I quickly learned was that I can't just give them instructions. I have to walk with them and model what it is that I want them to do. You have a good father who's not as dense as I am. It took me a little while to figure that out. He's not dense at all. He knows. Not only is he going to ask you to do some things, but he's going to show you how to do it, and he's going to walk with you as you do it. He's not going to point and say, go down there. He's going to say, hey, let's go together. I'll walk with you in this. That's what happens in verse 14 as we continue on in this. Paul says, for this reason, why? So that you don't lose heart because of all the things that I've said in the first 13 verses. So you don't lose heart, so you don't become dispirited. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. What does he say? How do, what is, what is the step that we take in order not to lose heart, it is to pray. It is to pray. You say, Troy, are you going to talk about prayer again? Yes, I am. I'm going to talk about prayer again because Jesus talks about prayer. The Scripture, the Holy Spirit, it's all the way through Scripture, everywhere. Do you realize in the Old Testament that the first time it talks about a people of God, you know how they were identified as the people of God? It says, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's how they were identified as God's people. They called on Him. Look at the next verse with me. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Let's stop right there. There's a lot of hoopla over the Avengers right now. All right, How many have been to see the new Avengers movie? All right, quite a few of you. How many are planning to see it? How many are waiting for DVD? All right, that's, all right. Last Sunday morning during the greeting, Bray came up and she caught me right there and she hugged my neck like she always does. And she goes, Pastor, have you seen Avengers yet? And I said, no, sweetie, not yet. I said, Katie and Andrew have seen it and I'm usually one of the DVD people. I wait for it to come out on DVD. And she was all excited. It's a big deal right now. 
the Avengers, this whole superhero thing. And if you pay any attention at all, most of the time, many of these super superheroes start out as just regular or less than regular human beings who are infused with power in some way. We think of Captain America. He's, remember the movie? He's scrawny, sickly, can't qualify to even get into the army, but he volunteers to be infused with some kind of weird substance by a German scientist. It does, that's all, that doesn't sound like it's going to have a good ending any way you go about it. But, um, and then he's, of course, Captain America because he's infused with power. See, we think of being infused with power in the outward, the bodily way. Paul says, I'm praying that out of his riches, how many riches do you think God has? I mean, is there, is there any, I mean, is there any way for us to even comprehend the riches that he has? No. Out of his riches, he may grant you to be strengthened, literally infused with power, with dunamis. Dynamite is the word here. I mean, it's where we get the word dynamite from this Greek word. This power through his spirit. This is how it happens. It's through his spirit in your inner being. Where is that? We understand the outer being. We understand praying about the outer being. We understand praying about the things attached to the outer being. Our wants, our desires, our needs. We understand praying about ministry stuff and life stuff and all of the outer stuff. We understand that. But he's saying, I want you to pray in a different way. I want you to pray about what you can't see. He says, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying about what you cannot see, this inner being, this innermost part of who you are. Now, I asked the question, some of you may be asking, what is your inner being? Where is your inner being? Well, inner gives us the idea it's way down deep, right? But what is it? And of course, I, I'm crying out, I'm asking the Lord what it is, and then I, I, I do research and I read and I realize that it's better not to read because everybody's got a different opinion. And so I just come to the Lord, Lord, what is our inner man? And here's what the Lord seems to speak to my heart. It's your human spirit that is attached to my spirit if you're a believer. Romans 8 says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. There's two spirits going on there. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the child of God. There's something that his spirit does that infuses, that speaks to, that reorients, if you will, our human spirit. That deepest part of who we are. I think then, in turn, that human spirit affects what we call the soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. But I think, again, I don't know exactly. This is where I feel like the Lord has led me just in my own personal journey in this. When Paul's talking about this, he said, I want you to pray about that deepest part of you that's even deeper than how you feel and how you think and what you want. It's that human spirit part of you. It may even be the place where we say conscience resides. But the Lord wants to infuse with power there and then have it work its way out. So that Christ... Now notice what happens if we... If we submit to, if we agree with, if we press in for, if we will just pray for this infusion of power in our inner being, what's the result? So that, here's the result, 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The word dwell there literally means he makes himself at home. I want to tell you what happens, I believe, according to these, these verses of Scripture. The Holy Spirit infuses with power, and then he makes room for Jesus to feel at home. Not to be a guest, not to be somebody we just cry out to occasionally, have a sort of acquaintance with. We know him really well, and he's at home. You know the difference, right? You've had guests in your home where you prepare for them, but they know their guests, and you tell them where to go, and they, you know, they have boundaries and parameters and different things. And then you have people who aren't guests that are in your home and just go wherever they want. Children come to mind, all right, and others, all right? They're not guests. They just make themselves at home. Here's the difference. Sometimes our children make themselves at home in ways we wouldn't want. Jesus never does. He never does. But he makes himself at home. Don't you want Jesus to be at home in your heart? I remember as a kid, invite Jesus into your heart, invite him to your heart. I think this may be part of where it comes from is this verse. But what Paul is saying here is make room for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit makes room for Jesus. Make room for the Holy Spirit to infuse you with power. Desire it. Ask for it. Because he's going to make room for Jesus. He's going to change. He's going to rearrange things in your home so there's room for Jesus. There's desire for him. There's relationship with him. How do you do that? And because of the circumstances today and all that's going on in this service, I'm shortening this message quite a bit. But there is something that I put together for you because here's the problem I had as I began going through and praying. All right, Holy Spirit, infuse me with power in my inner man. Infuse me. I don't even know what that looks like, but the Bible says do it. Paul prayed that way. It's there for us. So I believe it. I'm going to grab hold of it. Infuse me with power in my inner man. And I don't even know what that means. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure I know how to pray to ask you to do this other than to infuse me with power. And then I'm, okay, that took two seconds. All right, now what do I do? How do I pray this way? So I went on a search. I began asking, Lord, how do I pray this way? And I ran across a, online a little booklet by the, by the name of a guy named Mike Bickle. And it's, it's called um, Praying for Strengthening in the Inner Man. And caught my attention. Well, that's what I'm asking God for. And I went through, and there's a lot of stuff in there. And whether you like it all or don't like it all or use it all or don't, I, I took and adapted some things from it. It was free. It was online. And I copied them out. When you leave today, if you want to stop by Guest Central, there's a lot of things there. Because I realize I, we, the Bible tells us to do this, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I, even where to begin in all this other than just to pray, infuse me in my inner man with power. So he begins and he takes the, this acrostic of fellowship and goes through 10 different prayers, ways to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you in your inner man. The first one is the fear of God. I'm not going to go through all 10 because we don't have time. You, that's the reason I tell you you can pick these up on your way out if you'd like to have a copy. The first one is the fear of God. And the prayer, he puts a prayer and then he puts some supporting scripture. Father, release the spirit, release your spirit of the fear of God in my heart. Strike my heart with revelation of your majesty. 
that I might live in awe before you. Did you realize that happens within more than without? I mean, we think of that all being an outward, an external influence. That ha- The Scripture is saying, no, this happens from within and makes its way out. You say, does the Scripture really say that? Well, look at some of these. I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me, Jeremiah says. The Lord you shall hallow, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And Isaiah, unite my heart to fear your name. He delights. Where? In the deepest part of him, he delights in the fear of the Lord. Now, some of you may say, the fear, that sounds bad. Fear is awe. Fear is, I love, I think I heard Tony Evans say this years ago, fear is taking God seriously. It doesn't mean I'm, in, I'm mortally afraid of him, although we could be. I mean, obviously he has all power, but he's not asking us to be mortally afraid of him. He's asking us to take him seriously, to live in awe of him. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit, empower me and my inner man to fear the Lord. To take God seriously. Everything that he says, everything that he does, take him seriously. Lord, do this work within that will change who I am on the outside. We keep trying to change the outside. Paul says what I'm praying for you in chapter 1, he says, I'm praying that you'll have insight and revelation. You need to see what you can't see. In chapter 3, he says, I'm praying that you'll understand that the source of the power is God and that he works it from the inside out, not from the outside in. There's a whole bunch of these. E is for endurance or patience. L is for love. The second L is for the light of his glory. O is for one life or one thing life focus. Say, what does that mean? There's several places in Scripture that says, this one thing I seek. Or Mary sought one thing. She sought the better part. So this, this one thing, life focus. And so it goes through all of these. One that stood out to me, and I prayed a lot over the last couple of days. It may stand out to you this morning as well as the last one. It's the P. It's peace and joy. Father, strengthen my heart with supernatural peace. And joy that overpowers fear and anxiety. And you could add a whole lot more in there. (laughs) Worry. Well, I guess worry and anxiety are very similar. Doubt. Frustration. Anger. All these different things. Lord, do this so that I would not sin against you. See, the, the emotions themselves are not sin, but sometimes they produce actions in us that are sin. Sin grows fastest when fear or anxiety works strongly in me. Then he lists certain scripture. Philippians 4. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice your heart, then your mind. Your heart, that deepest part of who you are, and then how you think. And how you feel. He's doing something in that deepest part of us, that human spirit, where he's infusing with power. Literally, he's making you a a superhero within. And then it changes how I think and how I feel. What I desire. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope or confidence by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit does this work. 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way, according to 2 Thessalonians. I didn't give this passage to the folks doing the overhead, so you may just have to look with me. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. By the way, if you'd like a copy of that, they're at Guest Central when you leave today. First Samuel chapter 30. How does this work out in real life? That was what I was asking the Lord. Lord, I know Paul was praying this, but what does this look like in real life? And I was just asking him, and I had this prompting of David... And a story I knew, but I didn't know where it was, so I had to look it up. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, that was their home. That city was their home. On the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev, against the south, and against Ziklag, their home. And they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. They destroyed their home, their city. And taken captive the women... And all who were in it, both small and great. So they took their wives, they took their children, they took all of them. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. When I read that, I immediately think, oh God, what your mercy in all of that. They could have easily killed the women and children. They didn't kill any of them, they took them off. Why? Because God knew they were going to be rescued. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices, and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. You ever been there? You weep until you have no more strength to weep. And then you start weeping and you can't read your Bible. Um, David's Two wives also had been taken captive. He wasn't exempt just because he was the leader. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his son and his daughters. So you get the picture. They come back. Actually, they come back from successful warfare. That's what's been going on. They've been very successful. They come back and find their homes destroyed, their families taken, all their stuff taken. And they are overwhelmed with grief. And then they did what we are prone to do. And I would encourage you, do not do this. The scripture points this out so many times to us that this is our tendency, but do not do it. When we are in extreme grief, we look for someone to blame. It is human nature. It is the way we're wired. Also, be careful when you're talking to those, in particular, I would say in this case, the family. In your search for details, our curiosity, our desire to make sense of all of it. Let me tell you from experience and from those I've talked to who have lots of experience in this, more details don't help. 
They don't help. Our mind is trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And more details do not help. The family can share with you what they feel like and want to share. Don't press them for details. And with this, I know we would never intentionally do it, but sometimes in our desire to understand or make sense, we ask questions like, well, did you do this or why did you do that? Or please don't. Please don't. Again, it's understandable. It's how we are. We are trying to make sense of things. And even for the family to be able to walk with them because they had that natural inclination, the very, who do you blame? Where does the guilt lie and all that? It is natural for us. This is what happened here. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you want to assume some for yourself, it is not yours to carry because Jesus already carried it to the cross, died for it, paid for it, and rose again to declare, I am victorious over, it, over all of it. So what happens? What does David do? Does he try to explain to them? Does he say, I'm not, it's not my fault, guys. I was out there with you. What does he do? How does he, do? he does, I believe in the Old Testament, what Paul is talking to us about in the New Testament. Look what it says. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul and each for his sons and daughters for David. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Well, how did he do? Did he go to the gym and work out? I mean, how did he strengthen himself in the Lord his God? Did he sing songs? Someone said, well, he began to sing songs. Maybe he did, maybe he did. But notice he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It wasn't that he was trying to find the right activity to be able to fit the moment or the situation, the right activity was to place himself and come and say, Lord, strengthen me in that deepest part of who I am. Strengthen my inner man. Infuse it with power. David had to do this because the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament, but not indwelling. You and I have the Holy Spirit indwelling. It's, it, he's right there. David did it with an understanding of the presence of the Holy Spirit but in a, but a different way, a different, a different function. He strengthened himself in the Lord. I wish it gave us more it does tell us what he did afterward. I wish it gave us more insight into what he did during. It's like, Lord, why did you stop it? Why didn't you put a verse six and a half in there? All right? Give us a little bit more of what that process looked like. But if he had, I'm afraid we would have taken, we would be the, the church of David and how to strengthen your inner man. That would be our name, and we would, have, we would build a religion around it. And the Lord says, I want to lead you in how to do this. All you have to do is come to me and ask, and I'll guide you. So if you take some helps like this, you may use some, none, all, doesn't matter. You may think, no, this doesn't help me at all. That's fine. Because really the one that we go to is the Lord himself. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, infuse me with power in the deepest part of who I am. Because I want Jesus just to feel at home in me. I want him to just to be, it's his, it's his house. I, this is his house. This is his temple. This is his home. 
no matter what. This is his home. I want you to bow your heads with me. The last part of chapter 3 is a part that we quote all the time. It says to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Don't miss that. To him be glory and power praise. I think so often in my Christian life, I read that verse, I quote that verse, and I think, okay, Lord, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to change this situation, I need you to fix this situation, I need you to provide this, I need you to do all that, and he's more than capable of doing all that. But that's not what Paul's praying for here. He's praying for something much greater, much more important. He is able, in our inner man, to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. That's the context of this. That's the context of that verse that we read all the time. That he starts doing something inwardly that manifests itself outwardly. Would you ask him today, that he would strengthen you. He would infuse you with power by the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Wherever it is, whatever it exactly looks like. I don't know that we have to know that. I don't know exactly how electricity works, but I use it every day. Lord, infuse us with your power by your spirit in the deepest part of who we are. Have it then make room as you're doing that. Have it make room in our heart and in our, in our being, in our soul. Make room for Jesus. Lord, I wonder if this is what you meant when you said in Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You were talking to the church, it seems like. Were they a lost church? I don't know. Don't, I don't. It just seems to me they were a, a preoccupied church who didn't recognize their need. And you were saying, I'm standing here. I want to come in. I want to fellowship with you. I want to fill all those spaces that you don't know what to do with that are so empty. I want to give you joy when there's no reason to have any. I want to give you peace that is past human understanding. I want to give you wisdom that is from above that will baffle even you. I want to hang out with you because I like you. I want us just to spend time together. I want you to want to spend time with me because I want to spend time with you. Holy Spirit, make room in our hearts.
back room. Lord, I believe this is more vital than we realize. I would go so far as to say, in my opinion, that our entire experience of you in the Christian life is dependent upon this. That doesn't mean that we're not going to heaven. or that, That's all settled, Lord, when we believe and place our trust in you. We're in you, we're in you. But Lord, this is the riches that you intended for us to have that sometimes we're just not we're living in poverty spiritually I don't want to live in poverty anymore I don't want anybody here to live in poverty spiritually help us help us infuse us with power ask you a simple question this morning I felt prompted to do so do you want to be infused with power in your inner being if you do then tell him just tell you I want to be infused with power and right now I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do that very thing to infuse me with power to strengthen me by his power my inner being the deepest part of who I am Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you haven't begun that journey, don't have a relationship with him, never believed on him as your Savior, invited him to just to come in and take control of your life, well, that's where you need to start. But for those of us who are believers, his spirit indwells us. He's already there. We're just asking him to spread out take over be in charge of every part of our being especially the part that we give the least attention to and know the least about I challenge you brothers and sisters I challenge you in the days ahead as you pray for the outer body and the needs of it. And, that's, and you should. I'm not telling you you should stop that. Spend as much time praying for your inner man, your inner being, as you do your outer. Lord, help us. Help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.